This is the ZMAR Podcast. Elite Benefits of America helps small and mid-sized companies with their health insurance programs. And now, your host, Butch ZMAR. Welcome back to the ZMAR Podcast. I have a guest here, William Hammett from Hammett Insurance Services and Hammett Marketing. I think they're one of the same, but I'll have Bill actually give a further introduction for himself and what he's been doing for the last so many years in our industry and how he's making an impact. Hi, Bush. Thank you for having me on your podcast. I appreciate it. Yeah, uh, as as mentioned, I have been doing this for a long time. I think uh, I hate to count, but it's been over forty years that I've been in this uh, in the as we generally define it, employee benefits. But right. in the last ten or twelve years, I've been very targeted uh, as a general agent, as a, a broker's broker, if you will. Um, with the uh, producers in our industry, brokers, agents in our industry, who have a need to know more about uh, the Affordable Care Act, for instance, and how some of their clients can comply with the the act without, um, you know, breaking the bank. Because most of them, honestly, frankly, especially in the service industries, the hourly worker industries, had not provided or typically did not provide benefits. Now they're forced to. So they were looking for the most cost-effective way to do so. And that's, we evolved our general agency into being, uh, you know, the go-to experts, the backroom experts for these brokers when they run across uh, those types of employers. For sure. And and there's a lot of things that has happened over the last uh, 10, 12 years with the Affordable Care Act and then even prior to, right? And so biggest thing is definitely the rising cost of health insurance premiums, right? And so making things more affordable, and the traditional way, and we've talked about this offline, uh, where, you know, traditional way is premiums go up, you adjust your deductible and, and uh, we're right back to square one again, right? And so some people have to be a little bit more innovative and you took that approach. And even though you don't work directly with the retail or end, so like the employers, you work more with the brokers, but I guess, how is that leveraged? I mean, from your years experience, how is the agent or broker uh, leveraging that? And then what's your experience working with the broker community on these types of products? You know, it starts with the premise that uh, most brokers, even big alphabet house brokers, uh, big legacy agencies don't deal with, um, uh, you know, hourly workers very often. It's their Their focus is always on the the uh, core group, um, full-time employees, you know, majority of whom are are moderately to highly paid, and uh, and and historically, group insurance has always aimed itself at, you know, back when I started, it was it was it was designed to be what's best for 85, 90 percent of the group. Um, so you would design plans to benefit most employees. As we've evolved forward, as you as you mentioned. Um, with with risk increasing and cost sharing increasing, we've focused more and more over the last 20 years on the two or three percent of the employees that might have catastrophic risk or catastrophic illnesses, um, and we've we've kind of let the the plans uh, move in that direction. So they serve the five percent who have high claims, and another 95 percent are paying big deductibles and coinsurance. And and be, being pushed further and further away from access to basic care, mm-hmm. um, and and so what uh, what we've tried to do is is uh, is uh, enhance 
the um, awareness of plans that are more first dollar types of programs designed for relatively healthy people who don't spend more than you know uh, five hundred to two thousand dollars a year in healthcare expenses. That is ninety five percent of most of the groups, and uh, uh, you know, and, and it's kind of gotten lost, I think, and that's what we're trying to bring back into focus. Not not just low-wage hourly workers who have not been insured previously, but also we're designing plans that have fairly robust benefits for the relatively healthy. Um, and uh, and I think as, as health insurance evolves, we're going to see more and more of these uh, concierge networks that serve first dollar, you know, uh, kinds of access issues that uh, are ignored by the high deductible high co-insurance, high cost sharing type of programs. I want to get a little bit in, a little bit into the engineering side, if you want to call it that. Um, and so obviously these plan designs are a little bit different than traditional uh, health insurance. And we, me personally have worked with them in a limited capacity. Uh, and so I would like you, if you don't mind, actually walk through some of the differences that people will notice on these plan structures. And I'd rather hear from you because you're dealing with these products on a regular basis. Okay. Well, uh, well, first of all, let me say, you know, you and I have talked about this offline, yep. but these plans are not designed as a replacement for traditional major medical plans, yep. number one. But traditional major medical doesn't serve all the population very well anymore, mm-hmm. um, in, in, in particularly those groups I was discussing. So yep. the differences in a nutshell are um, the so-called MEC or MEC plus or limited benefit type plans eliminate all the high catastrophic coverages. So um, if you had... Uh, Typically, if you have a, a serious, you know, dread disease diagnosis, these plans are not adequate for those, those types of diagnosis. There are safety nets built in, but essentially they're designed uh, to eliminate uh, uh, the catastrophic, but it emphasizes first dollar benefits, preventive services, uh, lab, uh, uh, you know, well-child, well-adult types of care. Um, eliminates all cost sharing, eliminates deductibles, eliminates uh, co-insurance, co-payments even in most cases. So it's designed to give the average working blue collar hourly employee um, access to care. Now, that's a a very significant difference. And uh, most people that own property, own homes, have 401ks, do not wanna carry the risk of having a dread disease diagnosis and losing everything. However, that mindset is different with the hourly service sector employee. They typically live from paycheck to paycheck. They don't own property. They don't have typically a lot of assets at stake. So their their focus is a lot more on first dollar coverage. How do I access the doctor without having to come out of pocket with a lot? So so these plans are designed for people that um, are living paycheck to paycheck and that really can't afford to go to the doctor if they got to pay $500 up front. So um, you know, that's really the market focus here is really on, on, on that. And that's why. And so, you know, the trade-off is the typical hourly employee, if you survey them, which we have, and ask them, would you rather have a, a million, $5 million, $10 million plan uh, that has a $500 or $1,000 deductible, or would you rather have one with no deductible that limits all of your ca- coverage to $10,000? Well, you know, overwhelmingly, they said, I'd rather have the first dollar benefit that pays $10,000. So we, we, we sell them what they want to buy, and we sell employers what, what their employees want, what, what their employees prefer, if you will. 
And now we're, we're talking with Bill Hammett here and uh, Bill had taken the time over the years to take all his intellectual property and put it inside of a book. And it's called non-traditional health plans, everything you need to know about MEC and MVP and hospital identity plans. Uh, one thing I want to point out, because I think uh, people need to pick up this book, especially brokers, when you were talking about certain class or certain uh, individuals are a good fit for it. And inside your book, you actually point out targeted markets, right? And so there are certain uh, employee groups that this caters to. And you, you have construction in here and janitor supply and landscaping, certain manufacturers, dry cleaners. And so there's obviously a huge niche related to this product that people desire and want and ask for. And is it possible that you could expand on some of those niches? Like, uh, are they mostly regional? Or are they national? Uh, what is your experience on some of those profiles of the companies? The, the only limitation on it is they're, they're certainly all national and they're mm -hmm. certainly uh, uh, many regional. Uh, these are typically not small, tiny employers, though. These are typically 50 to 100 or more um, primarily hourly workers. Uh, we we see that uh, most employers that have executive or management will carve those out. And because of uh, not, not the, the, the lacks in non in 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 uh, uh, the 105 H, the the fairness doctrine, sure. because mm -hmm. of that, you're allowed to carve out, you're allowed to uh, give preferential treatment, if you will, to management uh, legally. And so they've taken advantage, a lot of these employers have taken advantage of that, offer a, ma a catastrophic or major medical type of plan for their management. But then they've got, you know, 150 uh, hourly employees and some part-timers. Uh, they've got to comply with the Affordable Care Act. So what do they do? And so the niches that you mentioned are, you know, the, the, the pretty traditional hourly employee kind of niches, landscapers, uh, food services, hospitality, uh, security guards, uh, you know, retail, uh, all those, you know, home health care or nursing home or assisted living, those are all very typical. They represent probably, you know, 8 to 12% of the entire marketplace, which is substantial. It's in the millions. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, so uh, as a consequence of, of those opportunities and driven by the Affordable Care Act, um, you know, these employers were desperate to find something, you know, they none of them could afford a $400 or $500 premium. So they had to find something more affordable and still be in compliance. And that birthed the whole uh, MEC, minimum essential coverage MEC uh, world. I can go into that a little bit. I don't want to get in the weeds with it, but 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 essentially it's a it's a derivative of, uh, uh, you know, of, a, of plans uh, that were limited benefit plans to begin with that always served uh, the hourly marketplace, and uh, they just expanded. And under the Affordable Care Act, again, not to get in the weeds, but uh, the act allows for you to only offer preventive services. Minimum essential coverage is essentially about 112 uh, services that are all preventive in nature. If you self-fund those benefits, and then and then offer them. You are in compliance with the large penalty under Obamacare, the the so-called A penalty um, that allows you to be in compliance. But in and of itself, it's not really a health plan. So most of the sponsors of these plans have have incorporated what they call the plus or the jumbo parts, which are they add uh, insurance into it. So they combine the self-funded MEC plan with insurance for things like accident 
uh, lab work, uh, emergency room, hospitalization to some limited degree, um, doctor's visits above and beyond the preventive. Uh, those are all incorporated in, in the package is called MEC Plus, MEC Heavy, uh, you know, various other names. I think they're, the platforms that they're offered are, are worthy of a discussion. If we've got time, I'd like to uh, share a little bit about the different, there's three different types of platforms these plans go, go with. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't, again, I don't want this to be a, a speech here, but, <laughs> but I think it's important uh, for brokers that are listening to this for to understand sure. that all of these are not created equal. Uh, there are three distinct packages that these come in uh, or platforms that they, that they're offered from. The, the first is a carrier sponsored single platform where the insurance carrier will devote all of their resources to administration to marketing, to uh, customer service, to underwriting, even reinsurance. If you find a carrier that does that, uh, obviously the economies of scale are better. And, uh, and, and a there's a, a certain carriers that I, I have a preference for that, that have been doing this a long time, know what they're doing and their economies are, are great. Uh, the second is uh, uh, you see uh, what we call aggregators. They're just like you and I, Butch, could get together and put a private label name on a plan and call mm -hmm. it a MEC plus plan. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we just have to go contract with a TPA. We got a contract with maybe a customer service outlet. We got to find a carrier, got to get paper for it. You know, we put all that together and we sell it under our banner, the Butch and Bill super health plan. Right. And then the third uh, category is uh, and, and far and away the most popular, if you will, or the most common are TPAs who have recognized that you self-fund the MEC benefit, well, that's right up their alley. They, they're yeah. third-party administrators. So they they, they design it, they package it, and private label it again, and sell it um, and sponsor it as a third-party administrator. The, the dirty little secret is TPAs can make a lot of money doing this, and their, their margins on normal TPA services are very narrow. But when you develop one of these plans, you can put fairly large margins in your pricing. Uh, you can charge $50, $60 for administration, for instance, whereas uh, a carrier might only charge five, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, economies of scale issues aside, I think the platform that offers all the comprehensive uh, components of this, like a Pan American as an example, mm -hmm. um, Pan American is uh, really the innovators of the MEC plan. They invented it, invented the term um, and and first marketed it and, and uh, and they are have all those advantages I talked about. They own all those components, so they don't have to make a profit on all those different components. So the economies of scale are good. So anyway, sorry about the lengthy. No, I think uh, it's good for the audience. We do have brokers that listen to the podcast, so I think uh, it was definitely much needed to, to dive into that a little bit. The larger companies you work with, um, has this been a tool has been used as a carve out tool to help satisfy both maybe in-house executives versus the manufacturing floor uh, or whatever the carve out might be. Is that doable? And and is there anything to look out for that uh, if somebody was looking at that angle? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I'm a, I'm a bit of a heretic. I get, you know, people march after me with, with pitchforks and, and, you know, they, they want to run me out of town because some, because I've had the audacity to mention that, you know, you can take one of these plans, these Mac plus limited plans and because the the filing uh, gap are, are so large, they can they can uh, some of these carriers, Pan American example, can can do a a two hundred fifty thousand dollar a year uh, hospital surgical benefit. 
which is a 99.5% of your employee population kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And what do you do about the, the half a percent or the 1% or the, the unfortunate dread disease diagnosis? Well, there's critical illness packages you can put in there that'll give them lump sum to carry them through. There's no pre-existing condition limitations anymore. So somebody who finds an unfortunate diagnosis like that can, there's safety nets for them. They can, uh, they can move into an exchange. They can buy private insurance. Uh, they can use this lump sum that they've built into the plans. So I believe that the time has uh, arrived and, and maybe my broker friends would disagree with me, but I think there are some plan designs that we can do within that structure that are rich enough where it satisfies almost everybody. And we go back to the days uh, I mentioned earlier when I started 150 years ago, where employee benefit plans serve 95% of the group. When you do first dollar benefits, and that's your emphasis, it now does serve 95% of the group. And, and you're, you're accommodating the other four or five or 3% who may have uh, you know illness in their family or themselves. Uh, and you have to be able to give them a safety net and I think there are safety nets that can be built in. So yes, to answer your long answer to your mm -hmm. question, I think there are some cr creative ways that we can use these plans, sure. not just for hourly workers, but mm -hmm. sometimes for the executive carve-outs as well. Hey gang, ever wonder what it's like to be a small business owner? It's confusing, weird expenses coming out of nowhere. And when you throw in health insurance, forget it. Nobody understands how that works. If you own a business, big or small, it's one of the biggest expenses you have all year long. And yet, we all wait until open enrollment at the end of the year, and then we think to ourselves, next year, next year I'll get a jump on it. And then it's another year of paying way too much. If you're a business owner, big or small, HR representative that wants to impress the boss, give Butch Zemar of Elite Benefits of America a call. Save yourself or your boss thousands or even tens of thousands of dollars a year. Reach out to Butch right now, 708-535-3006, or shoot him an email, butch at elitebenefits.net. And be sure to check out the Zemar podcast. Don't wait till the last minute. Put Butch Zemar to work for you now. There's a couple penalties that are out there. There's one that's called A penalty and a B penalty. Uh, right. Can you elaborate a little bit on this and uh, where it would come into play? Yeah, as part of the Affordable Care Act were uh, penalties. Initially, there were three. Um, some states still retain. The, one of them is the individual mandate, which you and I and everybody else are required to have uh, you know, adequate health insurance. Otherwise, we pay a, a penalty, a penalty. Uh, individual mandate. Well, California has reintroduced that. Several other states have reintroduced that. Most everyone else, the penalty still exists, but there's no fine attached to it. So essentially, it's non-existent. Mm -hmm. the, the, but the two... The two that most employers focus on are, are one, the, the so-called A penalty. It's 4980HA of the code, um, which, which prescribes a very significant penalty. Um, it's it's uh, substantial and you don't want to pay it. It's not, it's not tax deductible. Mm -hmm. it's, it's devastating if you have mm -hmm. to pay the tax. So most employers have, you know, not, uh, most, some have, but most have, have complied because of the cost. The second penalty, is the so-called B penalty, which uh, the first one is essentially coverage uh, directed, which is you have to have minimum essential coverage, which we talked about earlier. The right. second is that coverage has to be of minimum value, has to pass a minimum value test. If, if you offer and satisfy the A penalty, you're off the hook for that. But if you don't satisfy the B penalty, the minimum value penalty, then you're subject to a smaller, pen, smaller assessment 
we call them penalties, but they're really just voluntary assessments. Um, an employer can choose to pay the so-called B assessment or B penalty, um, which is around $360 per employee per month. Um, because it's so small and because it, it only gets triggered if an employee actually leaves your health plan, goes to one of the state or federal exchanges, and then in turn gets subsidized. If all of that happens, then you might have to uh, pay an assessment of 360 something dollars per employee per month. Well, mm -hmm. you know, my argument has always been that's that's less than what a major medical plan would cost. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you only have one or two employees that you get assessed that minimum value penalty, why why offer the minimum value coverage? Mm -hmm. It doesn't make sense. It's more expensive to solve the problem than the problem. So, you know, we've always said, look, we, we would recommend that you offer the A, comply with the A penalty, but mm -hmm. not the B. And then, and then in California, we have a different set of advisories which say all your employees are subject to that individual mandate there. Um, so you have to, you know, adjust your thinking that way as well. So anyway, those are the three major um, components of uh, Obamacare, a.k.a. Affordable Care Act, a.k.a. Sure whatever. Yep. Uh, and, and that's what employers are facing, mostly the A, um, the, the offering penalty. And working with uh, true experts or specialists in the field uh, helps employers avoid some of those things and then have the products to, to cover it up to a point where uh, they're complying and their employees are happy. Uh, I just in the interest of time, we'll, we'll, we'll start winding down a little bit, but I wanted to end on a fun note because uh, I like to hear a little bit more about your football background, um, the legacy. And I know it sounds like you, you're heavily involved for many, many years. You've reffed. Talk about how you got into that. And uh, I guess what's your involvement today on it? Well, first of all, the, the shortest story will be my <laughs> career. That'll be the easiest one to get out of the way. Uh, I, was, I was just good enough to get a college scholarship and have my education paid for. And then I was just good enough to get cut from a professional team. So uh, so that that's enough on that, on my... Yeah. <laughs> I'm far more involved with uh, uh, my alma mater, San Diego State University, with their, you know, I serve on, I'm the chairman of their uh, Aztec Legacy Board, which is for the university, it's their, uh, it's an athletic department, uh, derivative, dotted line. Uh, we raise money for the football program, um, which, by the way, is Go Aztecs, 12 wins last year. Um, <clears throat> building a new stadium, brand new stadium on campus. Um, all good news. Uh, yep. uh, um, and, and so, you know, that's my involvement with, with, with those folks and great, great people out there. Yeah. And, and, and you're heavily involved. You've been in, doing it for a long time, but now are you, uh, still refing games out there? Yeah. And, and I, I'm still actively, uh, officiating high school football, which I have had for 30 years now. Um, and, uh, keeps you young, keep getting run around with kids. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, as opposed to our my profession, there are actually rules that you can enforce in uh, in high school football. In in the business world, those rules tend to be a little more shaded and a little more uh, nuanced. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I enjoy that part of it, being being able to get out on Friday nights and do that. Sure, I didn't know anything about this. There's a local ref um, here in the Chicago market that I, I connect with his wife, which is in the business world. He had talked about sometimes to get to even high school or even he's in the NFL now, but referees have to go through a long process. They get evaluated and they keep moving up. Is that is that true in California? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, where evaluations keep occurring until it's, you if if you're a if you're a uh, competitive to a fault like I am, mm -hmm. um, it's a wonderful thing to be in because everything you do is 
merit-based, you know, mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, you don't even get to work a high school varsity game unless you're good enough to move up to a high school varsity game. Mm-hmm. And then then we have playoffs. Then we have state games and regional games. And, you know, the very best officials, the most highly um, reviewed. I know most people that don't officiate think they're all blind and, and, and don't know the rules. But believe it or not, there's some really good, talented officials. And the best ones get to work the better games. So, you, you know, and, and I'm a crew chief. Uh, which which means I have I get to draft my own guys and you know we work together a week and we work to get better and minimize mm-hmm. mistakes and review we spend a lot of time reviewing film and probably more time than I than I should but um, you know it's it's a it's a really fun you know it's, it was a little trying this year because I moved up moved to Arizona and we live up in a high altitude up here and so I worked a lot of games in in seven thousand feet and six thousand feet which was a little different for, you know, an old guy like me to be running around in that. T- uh, so, but it's been, but it's extremely rewarding. It's a great break from what I do here. So thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. Yeah. No. And it's a lot of good things. And obviously part of the program that, that you chair uh, is giving back. And and one of the things that's a lot of re- rewarding in anybody's career is the give back part. Yeah. And so I know you cater more towards the brokers, but if somebody wanted to elaborate on this conversation or get more information from you or even figure out a way to get access to the book, uh, how do they get in touch with you for any of that? Okay. Well, first of all, let me give you a brief commercial that, yeah. you know, I talk to brokers all the time. And the first thing they say to me is, well, I hardly ever run into these types of plans or, mm-hmm. or run into these situations. And I said, great, that's why I exist. Because, you know, if you run into it once or twice a year, that's all we ever have to talk. And uh, so uh, a couple of things about my involvement. If if a broker wants to talk to me, it costs them nothing. Uh, if they if they take my recommendations, it costs them nothing. Uh, it costs the employer nothing. There's no reflection in the premium. There's no reflection in the commissions of broker debts. I'm essentially a free resource. And hopefully I've demonstrated that I know what I'm talking about here. So I think it's worth the, the conversation. Uh, secondly, um, yeah, I do focus primarily on the, the wholesale side of things. I'm a broker, a guy. I, I've got a couple of direct clients, but those are only accommodations. I never want to uh, compete with a broker. I never will. Um, you know, we're, we're all on the same team and I like to be the back room for them. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, the, the important thing is that, you know, keep me on speed dial because you're going to run into this. And, uh, uh, you know, I have a website that is, uh, Hammett insurance or ha- for Hammond insurance, which has a lot of the stuff that's in that book. So if they don't want to go to the trouble to go through Amazon, it's available on Amazon under that title. You can either look up Hammett or, uh, the the t- you know the you know the non traditional whole plan thing where's the, the camera yep. here yep uh, well I'll I'll include some of these in uh, the links in the show notes so that people can get access to it just with a quick link obviously you were generous enough to send me a copy yep. and I appreciate by the way I, I will I will not make any money on the book I will send I will give you guys the price that's basically just covers my the shipping and you know buying the book from mm-hmm. or getting the book from Amazon so I'm not trying yep. to make any money on it but it is a it, it does put in there all of those ideas and concepts and there's a lot of sales pointers in there. There's marketing as you, you've seen it. Yep. There are uh, pointers for new hires. We've mm-hmm. got young people in our business that, you know, how do I build my first block of business? 
Sure. There are pointers in there for how to do that. And I can work with you on it. Definitely a great resource. I, I dove into it, made highlights in it. So definitely a great resource. Uh, reach out or to be in the show notes. Definitely been great. I appreciate your time and the opportunity to go ahead and uh, talk about the products and, and the markets you serve and a little bit of background on yourself. So I appreciate it. Maybe we'll have you back on for some updates as uh, maybe current events keep changing things as we move forward. Yeah, I'm on that. <laughs>